You want to find your tribe of raving fans. And that's just what we're here to help you do. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with 360 Media, where we help entrepreneurs build better businesses by not only sharing insights and candid conversations, but by nurturing our minds as well. Get ready to explore, plan, and showcase your business, because here we go. Here's your host, Chief Strategist of 360 Media and Educator at TacticalProgram.com, Justin Lamb. Hey there, podcast fans. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Digging Deep, where I help business owners build a better business. And today, I wanted to share with you uh, a little bit of uh, insight, maybe, I, I guess, or share with you some feelings and sentiments. Um, you know, what I thought would be interesting for you guys to know uh, or to learn about is uh, if I had to do it all over again, if I had to start all over uh, in my journey as an entrepreneur, uh, what would I have done differently? Now, uh, for those people who have been following along, uh, some of you guys may remember that I had my first real experience um, in entrepreneurship selling paper flowers. It was a hobby and it turned it into um, you know, a monetary thing. And you know, my last podcast, I talked about, you know, whether or not you would turn a side hustle into a main hustle. Um, and of course, I, I've turned almost all of my um, sort of hobbies into a hustle of some sort um, that ended up getting monetized. Uh, and, and my reflections on that is, you know, that's a great way for you to see how much passion you have. But then, of course, along the way, I've lost a lot of passion in the different uh, arenas of of businesses. So, you know, losing the passion for making paper flowers to impress uh, and, and to, to court, um, you know, uh, future partners. Um, and then, of course, photography. At one point, I, I was really quite jaded about taking photos of our family, friends, and, you know, uh, events and people would just ask me to bring the camera and it and eventually got to be a chore um, you know and and that's why you know I shared with you last time um, you know in the last podcast whether you should turn your side hustle into a main hustle now as things evolved um, you know I've re uh, visited the loves of, you know, uh, photography and video, uh, and I've learned how to separate those things. And so now I'm able to enjoy both aspects of that. So today I thought I'd share with you, you know, if I were to start all over again, if I were to start my entrepreneurial journey, what would I have done differently? Um, now that sort of being said, like that question being said, uh, I should probably predicate that to say that um, had I not gone through the journey that I did, I probably wouldn't have had the same passion and or the same uh, conviction about marketing, uh, personal growth and development as I do today. So a lot of the trial and uh, blood, sweat and tears that I've put into that whole realm of being an entrepreneur really has translated to where I'm at today and, you know, has guided me towards sharing this knowledge and sharing my journey with other people, uh, hoping that I can either uh, speed up a lot of that process uh, or to at least give you uh, some sort of clarity and direction so that, you know, you're not going to be stuck in years and years of turning around in circles, trying to find the right answer, uh, but not really able to really put it all together because, you know, uh, if you talk to a marketer, they're going to want to do marketing. If you talk to a business coach, they're going to want a business coach. If you talk to a social media person, they're going to want to do social media. Uh, it's like if you talk to a doctor, they're going to want to prescribe medicine. If you want to talk to a surgeon, they're going to pres you know, prescribe surgery. Uh, and so, you know, 
having gone through this really convoluted route as an entrepreneur and then being able to take different parts of that entrepreneurial journey, everything from you know, learning your bookkeeping all the way to marketing and um, you know, automation and systems, uh, I have this real um, you know, broad look uh, at what industry looks like and you know, how could you really expedite the process of self-discovery, translate that into a business and brand so that you can um, you know, soar faster than you would if you were to try to hunt for that uh, separately. So uh, that being said, like I said, uh, having gone through this journey allows me to sit here, but if I were to really go back at it, um, I think one thing I probably really would have decided to not do uh, would probably be become a photographer. Um, you know, and, and it's funny because, you know, I've over the last two decades, um, being a photographer and a business owner was great, but there, during the time that I was an entrepreneur, there was such an immense change in technology. Um, you know, I started with film and film wasn't necessarily expensive um, and you could charge a premium because it was still, you know, taboo for a lot of people. People didn't really understand it. People really didn't understand, you know, what went on in getting a photograph, developing it. You know, there were a lot of, there are a lot of mystical things that would happen for people. So, you know, they, they were okay charged, you know, being charged a premium uh, for that work. And, you know, and, and it be, really became, you know, part art, part science um, because, you know, managing roles of film and developing wasn't necessarily cheap, but at the same token, if you messed it up, I mean, you really couldn't take a look at what that photograph looked like. And so if you messed it up, I mean, you messed up a lot and you really put your life at risk. Uh, in terms of, you know, losing an entire wedding, you know, not getting the exposures right, not even being able to see if you got the focus right, you know. Um, so, you know, but because I started in film and then I saw the entire evolution of digital photography and, and I went through that whole cycle and, and then, of course, adding video on top of that, um, technology changed so fast. And because it changed so fast, I dumped an enormous amount of money, an enormous amount of money into the business. You know, I went from film cameras to your first um, digital cameras. And then I went to the first evolution of digital cameras going from, you know, one megapixel to six megapixels and then six megapixels to 12 megapixels and then 12 to finally 24 megapixels is sort of where I've landed and I've kind of stayed. Um, you know, it's most people are in that range if they're picking up uh, any camera nowadays. Um, there are some, some that go beyond that, but then, you know, for the type of work we do, it really doesn't make sense. So, you know, all in all, uh, having to go through, you know, that four or five different stages of cameras was not cheap because with the advent of technology, you had to upgrade the bodies. And then with that technology, you know, new things could emerge. You know, you had to buy memory cards and then memory cards were finicky back then. Uh, I, I went through a lot of dud, um, you know, cards. I lost a lot of data at some point uh, in my career. And then, you know, and then you have to factor in the hard drive space. Then you factored in Photoshop and then you factored in um, all the, the software that came with that, that eventually Lightroom and you, you had album software. Um, so, I mean, that whole evolution was just gargantuan, you know, and when we had, you know, early on, we had teams. So, you know, I would buy the cameras for the team uh, and, 
and having those cameras meant, you know, a capital outlay of, you know, four cameras at one point, six cameras. And now anytime that I replace a set, you know, we're talking about 10 to 12 cameras in any, you know, one big sweep. And I don't really try to buy them in piecemeal if I can. Uh, I might buy one or two to test drive. And once I agree that that's going to be the one that I'm going to go with, then I'll buy the rest of them. Um, and so, you know, this evolution is been so so expensive and then of course computers had to keep up with that and so you know i went from uh you know what was uh um a pentium one uh all the way to you know what we're do using today the newest imax and the newest uh, macbook pros you know and of course all of that to say is that the the amount of investment I had to put in versus the revenue stream really was a quite a big mismatch and it probably would have done better in a different, uh, in a different industry. But that being said, I don't know because I wasn't in another, you know, you know, industry for a very long period of time, I might've been uh, related industry. So I would have gone from like wedding photography to commercial uh, and then of course to video, but you know, all in all staying in this particular space, I had an enormous amount of investment going through. So if I were to choose all over again, I would have probably chosen something else. Something maybe a little bit more lucrative, something that I could scale systems a little bit better and faster. Wouldn't have had to deal with as many bumps and bruises that come with a creative industry. Um, you know, we're not only dealing with humans uh, as and different characters and personalities, but then you're also layering in uh, objective and subjective factors, you know, like artistic eye. Um, you know, you, you might have fundamentals, but then you also have inherent artistic talent. And then being able to aggregate that into a cohesive brand where people, you know, would buy into the brand, you know, became a really difficult venture. Um, but through all that learning, of course, that's, you know, how I ended up learning how to um, build a better team, how I learned to identify how to create uh, systems in place where I could hire the right people with the right artistic talent and, of course, the right intangibles uh, that make this business run. So, you know, if I were to start all over again, I, I definitely probably would have chosen a different profession. Um, now, the other thing I probably would have changed was uh, I probably would have uh, not started off my career doing all the logos myself. Um, and, and I know that's where a lot of us start. But hear me out. Um, you know, when we're bootstrapping, it's part of the process. And, and I get that. But what I also understood was that when you're starting a business and you're testing a proof of concept, that's okay. Like, you know, you're just dabbling in it and, you know, but once you start to have that proof of concept proven and that you're selling goods, it, I think it's at that point that you really should take the time to invest in getting a proper brand done, uh, a proper logo, um, you know, proper brand discovery, you know, something that we do here at Tactical, um, you know, that is something I really wish I did early on. And I was, I was fortunate um, that fairly early on when I had the active rehab clinic um, that I did uh, come across a, a wonderful young lady uh, who at the time was a graphics designer. And, you know, she was the first one who really opened my eyes to how important brand aesthetics could really be. Um, now she 
went through a little bit of what we do as a brand discovery now. And back then it, it really wasn't as big a thing. Um, you know, it, it was what we traditionally think of as a graphic designer. I tell you kind of what I want and they interpret it artistically and bam, you know, logo and colors and you're done. Um, but, you know, through that process, what I realized is that, um, you know, instinctually I'd, I'd run into the right person. Um, you know, I had shared with her my thoughts and visions and she was able to create a logo that even today, you know, over two decades later, um, I still love and that I think she did a bang on job. Uh, and, and that's the important part. If, if you do a brand well, and you do a brand right, you know, you don't really need to adjust it too often. You might need to update it if you decided to do something that was very trendy at the time. But if you've created a logo and you've put some really good thought into that process, you know, there's a lot to say about a logo and the course, the brand identity, the visual identity uh, in terms of representing your brand. And if you did it right the first time you ponied up a little bit of extra money to go and do it properly, you know, it will save you a lot down the road because, you know, you're going to be able to have something that your whole uh, ecosystem can be centered around, especially as you grow mature and have legacy. Um, you know, once you sort of have a rooted uh, visual persona, uh, to make a shift, is, it's, it's actually quite jarring for your customers, and especially if you're making a dramatic shift. If you're changing an entire color palette, um, all of a sudden people really uh, become disconnected. And you lose a lot of people in that process and that transfer and changeover. Um, but if you did it right in the first you know, iteration, um, you could keep a, say, a single core color. Uh, and that would have translated well over time. Now, 360, when I first did it, you know, was a... Um, it was a green logo. It was green, dark olive. It was what we chose at the time. It was, it was inspired by a box of chocolates. It was funny. Um, it was actually inspired by a box of chocolates uh, from Mink. Um, and we loved the colors. It was dark. It was rich. Uh, and at the time, we thought it was great. Um, you know, what I came to discover as, as the trend changed, um, I kept the actual logo, but then we we modified it. We we sort of modernized it, gave it a little bit more minimalistic look. Uh, and I have Steve from our studio to thank for that um, because it was him who, you know, kind of tossed around a bunch of ideas to, to come to this one. You know, we, we ended up flipping the colors and inverting the colors. Uh, and that's how we got to the orange that we have today. And I love the orange. And so I've stuck with the orange. And then um, throughout my entire brand, um, whether it was 360, map box or now tactical i kept the orange because i think orange was a really great representation of who i am as a person uh who um you know i think it's striking uh and i think i can you know i enjoy that brand recognition i think people recognize it when they see orange that you know i become top of mind because they've seen it for so long uh and and that's powerful because you know, even though they might not see the logo, seeing a color can bring them uh, to a place where they remember who I am as a business and keep me top of mind. You know, and so I play with that. You know, the cases in uh, our studio, a lot of them are orange. Uh, you know, the swag that we have, we use the orange fairly uh, prominently throughout it. I mean, if you're if you're ever watching a video and you'll see the hat, the hat has orange in it. Um, 
you know, so I play with that. I, I use that to my advantage um, and I try to cement that into the minds of our consumers. So when they see an orange, you know, that they're going to think, oh yeah, 360 uh, or tactical and, you know, so on and so forth. So I can't, ex- I can't stress enough how important it is to really get uh, the foundations of a brand right at the beginning. Now, if you can couple that desire for a brand aesthetic, your know, your logos and colors with an actual discovery, something where you're digging super deep into, you know, where you're really peeling back the onions of who you are and trying to find, you know, what you truly stand for. Uh, that then becomes the most powerful element. And not everybody's willing to do this. And I get that, um, you know, trying to dig through your past, trying to sort through your feelings, stopping long enough to ask important questions that reveal your character and review the things that are deeply ingrained in you that you might not even realize or remember, but that you've downloaded into your psychology. Um, you know, being able to put that on pen and paper and then being able to build a business around that, that is also really powerful. And I wish I did that in the beginning, really. Uh, I spent a lot of time in self-discovery, trying to evolve and become a person that I would uh, ultimately now proud to be, you know, and I wasn't always proud to be that way. You know, I, I, I had, um, you know, I didn't have a bad childhood, but I had a childhood that really did um, have a lot of my really deep seated psychological um, core values violated and dismissed. And through that process, you know, whether it was uh, a parent, a sibling, a friend, teacher, um, you know, instructors, peers, peer groups, um, you know, and and you know, and the like, um, that suppressed, pulled back, um, you know, pushed down a lot of the emotional uh, um, release that I needed, the the things that allowed me to then become free and be. Uh, the person who I am, the person who I want to be, and the person who wants to show up every single day and be passionate about delivering uh, excellence to uh, everybody. And, you know, at, at some point it was, you know, people saying that, you know, I'm cocky or that I'm, uh, that I talk too much or that, um, you know, that uh, I was smart, but not smart, like not smart enough, um, you know, that I was talented, but it was a waste because I didn't try hard, um, that I had di- very little discipline. Um, and, you know, w- when you're young and you hear all of these things, you know, you, you start to embody it and you start to believe it yourself. And then your brain takes over and it starts to find proof that, that, that it's there. But then, you know, as I matured and I got older and I started to look at the facts, it's like, well, no, I mean, I I can focus and I can be driven, um, you know, when, when something interests me and, and I'll dive so deep into it to become, you know, competent in it and, and then ultimately excel at it to some degree. Uh, I may not have the capacity to master uh, any particular thing unless I'm hyper, hyper invested in it. Um, You know, but I mean, I, We'll spend countless hours uh, researching, learning, and um, creating the knowledge bank that I need to have, um, you know, confidence in delivering a product or service, um, you know, to a, a, a consumer in a way that 
they will feel like they got tremendous amount of value to it. Now, you know, am I going to be a PhD or a, um, you know, a person who dedicates their entire life to one particular subject? Uh, that I realized I am not. Uh, I am a very big generalist, um, but I'm a generalist in a sense that um, I like to know a lot of things, but I never necessarily dive so deep that I become a specialist in arena. So, you know, while I have great interest in marketing and, you know, I understand all the different factions and, and um, sort of nuances in the marketing sphere, uh, I'm not a specialist in any one arena, but this is great because it also means that I have enough to... Um, knowledge in order to have a good conversation with a specialist and i know where you know i can ask better questions to get a better result you know i can challenge the thinking uh and be able to uh not just feel like i'm handcuffed to the process and you know i think that's super empowering for a entrepreneur and so you know tactical is really all about that it's helping bridge the gaps so that you can feel confident as an owner to then have those conversations with specialists, whether they're accounting specialists, legal specialists, marketing specialists, um, you know, ad buying specialists, you know, whether they are uh, HR specialists, you know, those people are great at the, the specific area that they, they are, um, you know, dedicating their lives to. And we're not that, but, you know, to be handcuffed to the process because you don't want to understand it or that, you know, you aren't able to understand the process or ask better questions to yield a better result really puts you at a disadvantage. And, you know, that's where the disconnect happens. I don't think uh, a person who's a specialist in the arena is looking to take your money and not deliver a great good. But, you know, when they're not able to access the information and or the assets that they need, um, and they don't know how to ask you the right questions to get there, and you don't know what you need to ask to get there, um, that becomes frustration on all levels. And you're not happy with the final product. They're not happy at the work that they did. Um, and you don't give them a great review. They don't get great reviews. Uh, and it's really not a win-win for all scenarios. You know, where somebody like I uh, can help you through that educational um, you know, component where we can get you up to speed to have those conversations and bridge that gap so that you can have more meaningful uh, dialogue with the specialists that you're going to hire and then ultimately work on your business. And so both of you guys are going to have a better uh, working relationship. You're going to have a better understanding of each other. You're going to know how to pick the right one for you uh, and all those things. And that adds up to synergy that will ultimately impact your bottom line or top line revenue. So if I were to start all over again, I would uh, really do a few things. I wouldn't have chosen the photography profession if I had to do it all over again. Um, and I would have probably tried to find something that wasn't necessarily as money hungry as this particular profession um, and or difficult to manage uh, talent in this particular profession. So those that would be the first one. And then the other one would be uh, starting a brand off uh, right uh, the very first time and not necessarily bootstrapping everything. Um, you know, I, I understand the process, but you know, if you're at the point and you're ready for proof of concept and it's selling and you have a viable product, it is time. Do it early, do it right, uh, invest that money. That money will compound on itself in terms of value brought back um, if you find the right partner. So, and if you don't know 
how to find the right partner. If you know where to start, start with the tactical program. The tactical program is the best opportunity for a solopreneur, anybody who's getting their feet wet, anybody who's wanting to go through a rebrand, you know, who uh, doesn't have a really good grasp on their brand or why they really exist or how to separate themselves from other people in their market. This is a great opportunity for you. So if you got to this part, uh, thank you so much for listening. I super appreciate you guys tuning in. Next week, we're going to have a new guest. So I look forward to chatting with you. Until next time, be uh, great. Have an awesome day um, you know, and, and impact somebody else. Be conscious, deliver excellence. Have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. We want to thank you for listening to the Digging Deep Podcast with 360 Media. Your time is valuable, and we're deeply humbled that you are spending this time with us. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on Instagram at 360photo and at Tactical Titans. You can also email us. We want to make this channel great, something you enjoy and find tons of value in. Send us your insights to info at 360photo.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us reach more listeners. As always, tune in next week as we dig deeper into business and marketing.